Hey everybody and welcome to Well Said, the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill's podcast where we talk with students, faculty, and staff about what's going on on campus and around the world. And today we're talking about the Arts Everywhere initiative and the Carolina Performing Arts with Emil Kang, the Executive and Artistic Director of the Carolina Performing Arts. This past year, Carolina launched this new initiative called Arts Everywhere, and it kicked off with its Arts Everywhere Day, where it was just that. There was art all throughout campus. Let's start out by talking about the initiative itself. What is its mission, and what are some of its goals? Well, you know, we actually have been trying to establish these guiding principles that we want to share with people, and um, they include the fact that, number one, the arts are for everyone, two, the every space is a creative space, three, the arts create and share new meaning, and four, experiencing wonder sparks exploration. And we are trying really hard to get our community to realize that the arts are not just for artists, or the arts are not just for arts people. It's somewhat striking to me who lives and breathes the arts to hear all the time that oh you're the arts person well you know the the arts aren't for me or i played the clarinet in the eighth grade or i'm tone deaf and i try very hard to convey to people i meet that the arts are all around us every day the way we think the way we discover the way we engage new ideas and new material and so the real essence of arts everywhere really is about this idea of how do we convey those values to our entire campus community. And I use the analogy of sports because, of course, that works here. We all know that there are the cream of the crop, whether the basketball players on our men's basketball team, that are the best we have in that sport. And yet, not many people know that we have over 2,000 students who play intramural basketball. There are club teams, intramural teams, and then there are pickup games. There are huge variations of, of skill level in the basketball playing from getting a ball with your, with your one car to playing the junior varsity team. But in that sense, basketball is not just for the basketball team. And yet, the arts shouldn't just be for arts majors. You know? And I think we've sort of missed the boat, and we think that the arts are for arts majors. And so, for us, the big question is, how do we get our community to see that the arts are for everyone? So why do you think that arts are for everyone? Why should a person who studies, let's say, science care about the arts? Well, just go back right back at you. So why would playing a sport be good for anyone, right? I think we spend so much of our time trying to justify the work we do. And yet, for me, the idea of using your hands and making and being creative and having different ways of expressing yourself, the ways of understanding others, or even engaging in new ideas or new material or a new skill, those will always be important. And they're always helpful. And I think when you start to reduce it to this notion of either a concert or a museum or a play, it really does miss out on the potential for it to be for everyone. Uh, Also, I think in the art side, we think of it as if you aren't a master at it, then we're not interested in it. And yet, I don't think anyone would say they're a master at playing basketball, and yet we have 2,000 students playing it. Again, using that same athletics analogy, we really want to find a way for the arts to become part of the culture of Carolina. I talk about wanting the, to embed the arts so that wherever we are, that all 30,000 students have an opportunity and see the value in engaging in creative practice, 
You know, that's what we, we call it where whether you are painting for the first time or continuing up the piano that you played when you were 12 or learning how to be a better writer, uh, learning how to write poetry or learning how to throw a pot, that there are all these opportunities that should exist for you. And then on top of that, there is this idea of the experiencer, the spectator. Again, how many people go to basketball games and watch? We have thousands of people who come and watch the games. And so how do we actually then talk about experiencing the arts on campus? And can we support the importance of a sense of wonder in all of our students in discovery and, and experiencing new ideas and new ways of, of expression. What are some of the ways that you're doing this? How are you bringing art to everyone? We've heard from people that they've been waiting for Emil or Arts Everywhere to start plunking down art across the campus because that's what they imagine Arts Everywhere to mean. When am I going to see the art? And I have to work really hard to somehow disabuse them of this idea that art only exists when we say it exists and or that our job is to just drop sculptures around campus and it'll look pretty and then we'll be done and we can all go home. That's not what's going to happen. So the idea, what we're trying to do is we're trying to build on partnerships across campus, be they with athletics or the medical school or the botanical garden or playmakers or the physics and mathematics department. How can we advance their own aspirations through the arts? So, for example, we are working right now with Botanical Garden on their Arboretum and on the, the Arbor that's on Cameron Avenue. And they, it's about time after 25 or 30 years for them to rebuild that Arbor. And so we are in discussions with them about how can we take part with the arts to help them rebuild the Arbor to create a more of an artistic statement that can also be serving as an Arbor for the Arboretum. So, and the list can go on and on. One of the big projects we have right now that are in development is with, with the Black Pioneers Project that was really spearheaded by Chancellor Folt that just got a, a little snippet of attention last year where when we had students who interviewed Black Pioneers or the group of students who were the first African-American students at Carolina 50 years ago, and they are you know getting up there in age. So one of our faculty members here in, in communication uh, worked with students to transcribe it into a script. And one of the visions that Chancellor Folt has is to give it more of a life to bring these stories more to our students in, on the entire campus. And so we're not, we've been working with him, the faculty member in communication. We've been working with the Black Alumni Reunion. We've been working with new student and parent programs. We've been working with the Week of Welcome folks. How do we actually create an artistic experience for all freshmen, incoming freshmen, to actually learn about these stories through performance, through curatorial experience, and then a place for them to have a, have a dialogue about the stories that they've heard. How do we create contemporary version of that story for young African-American students today and how they relate to those of 50 years ago? You know, the good list goes on and on, but the idea that we can actually create artistic experiences that are relevant to everyone and that over time, as we pile them on, one on top of each other, you'll start to be able to, without realizing it, start to realize that the arts are part of everything you do every day here. This morning, we just went on a tour with facilities and Carolina Housing, and right now we're working on a plan to repurpose some of the spaces and dorms around campus into painting studios and music practice rooms and, and dance studios. You know, th those are examples of arts being everywhere, but not sculpture being plunked down on campus. I think we have about 18 or 20 of those projects right now in the works. One way that the arts is clearly in Chapel Hill is with the Carolina Performing Arts, and you recently released the schedule for the upcoming season. 
So what kind of things do you have in store for us this year? Um, we, I like to say, and people who know me have heard this many times, but you know, we really bristle at the notion of wanting to be reduced to a single show. And you know, every performance we bring in has a different reason, a different backstory, so to speak. And so it isn't like I bring in my favorites every year. That's not how we curate our season. We really look at opportunities that integrate with faculty. We look at uh, exclusivity, opportunities to bring unique experiences. We look at addressing different cultures and traditions that aren't been addressed before. Those are the ways we look at it. We don't really just bring in shows. So for this coming season, we're, we focused on four main ideas or the ways of thinking. So the first one is in the evolution of, art, of our artistic relationships. We really believe that the best artists, the finest artists in the world, are those that can't be pigeonholed into doing any one thing. We are really interested in showing our communities the different dimensions of artists and for them not to see the artists perform in only one way. And so one of the examples we have coming next year is, a, is banjo player Abigail Washburn. Abigail has been here five times now in the last 13 years and has spent weeks upon weeks here. She's also known as the better half of Bela Fleck, another banjo master. And not everyone knows that Abigail, while she lives in Nashville, Tennessee and is a banjo player, she also speaks fluent Mandarin and has recorded entire albums in Mandarin and works with the Chinese musicians and showing the connection between string instruments in China and string instruments in Appalachia. And she has a great partner in a Guzheng player. Guzheng is a Chinese zither named Wu Fei, and they perform music in old-time music with the banjo and then ancient Chinese music, and it is all connected into a single form. The second theme is the importance of immersive and co-creative experiences. And we are actually opening, opening a new performance space on Franklin Street in February. And this is part of the uh, redevelopment of University Square, now called Carolina Square. And uh, we have the, the ground floor of one of the three buildings um, closest to Granville Towers. It's about 7,500 square feet of space where we are really trying to redefine the artistic experience. We actually know that even though we want our community, especially students, to come into our theaters, our museums, our concert halls, that there are going to be some who just aren't interested in doing that. And there's also the notion of sitting quietly in the dark for two and a half hours while someone performs at you isn't how everyone likes to experience art. And we also have seen a trend over years in creating a more proactive, engaged, active audience where the performance actually occurs with the audience and not for the audience. And so this new space called Current, we just launched, is dedicated to these immersive and co-creative experiences. And so um, I'll just talk about a couple. One is a company called 600 Highway Win, and the piece is called The Fever. And it actually features the audience sitting in a rectangle around a space. And you don't know this, but ar around you are the actors in, in the performance. And the entire performance is actually a, a piece that's made by the audience and really relates to social dynamics in our community today and showing us what makes us uncomfortable, what we're uncomfortable doing alone, what we're more uncomfort comfortable doing as a group, and actually asks you to engage with the people around you. And that's the performance itself. It's been successful all around the world, and we're very excited about that. Another one we're bringing in is a piece called um, Revolution Now by a UK Berlin-based uh, theater collective called Gob Squad. 
And this is a, a performance piece where the audience comes into the room and they realize that there are a, a handful of leading activists that are talking about uh, planning their cause in this room. And you walk into this and then you realize that you're being recruited to their cause. And it's not a very any spe anything specific, but it turns out that there's actually a giant video screen and camera that's gonna be installed out on Franklin Street. And the entire mission of the performance is for your you as a recruited newcomers to this cause to be able to recruit someone from the outside on Franklin Street to come into this theater, to join the cause, so to speak. And when the piece does not end until the audience is able to actually recruit a stranger to come into the theater. So uh, if you think about our performances that we're bringing, um, and those are just two examples, we're really trying to find different ways to engage people in the art of art making. The third is in our role in redefining chamber music. I have a 14-year-old daughter. And when, I, she, when she hears the word chamber music, she runs away like crazy. She says, Dad, it's so boring. And yet what we find is that you know, with the generations of students graduating from our music schools around the country, including UNC, that they are not interested in performing in the same way that we imagine chamber music to be. Musicians today are partnering with indie rock stars, performing in, in malls, performing on the street, interacting with video images, um, uh, relating to the projections of the Hubble telescope, all kinds of things that are not Beethoven and Haydn on a concert hall stage. And we are going to be bringing three ensembles who are really redefining this idea. Um, and they'll be performing in the newly renovated Miser Auditorium at Hill Hall. And that really will be, again, looking at how our young musicians today are changing that idea. And then lastly, we used to have at CPA a series that was defined by genre. So we had the dance series, and we had the jazz series, and we had the roots series. And we decided years ago for us to actually achieve the goals we want to get our audiences to go beyond those, those barriers or those labels, that we had to dispense with those labels. We had a lot of pushback in the very beginning because people couldn't figure out what was the dance series. And for the, for the last eight years that we've been without this, we've been saying, does it really matter? Well, then the response is, well, you know, I really don't like modern dance, so therefore I don't want to, I want to know which is modern dance, or I only like bluegrass, and I want to know which is bluegrass. Well, what if there's a bluegrass musician who sings Chinese? Is it still bluegrass? What if there's a, a dance piece that's also a play? What if there's a chamber music piece that's also a visual installation? Then how do we categorize it? And if you look at some of the most interesting artists around, they're doing many things, not just one thing. And so one of the ones we're bringing is a musician named Toshi Reagan. She is the daughter of uh, Bernice Johnston Reagan, one of the founders of Sweet Honey in the Rock, very important civil rights era a cappella group. And Toshi is doing an opera based on the Octavia Butler novel, novel Parable of the Sower, which is a science fiction novel is told from the view of an African-American writer. And she's working with our faculty members in city and regional planning and looking at how government and city planners create cities that end up being like places like Ferguson, Missouri. What do city planners do to cultivate segregation as it exists, social and e economic inequality and discrimination, all these opportunities that really do lead to the challenges we see today. And she's gonna use the story of Parable of the Sower to integrate these ideas she has in terms of urban populations today. It's also an opera, and it's also a play, and she's a singer-songwriter. So what is it? 
you know, it's not only an opera, it's not only a musical, it's not only a play, it's not only a piece of art, it's not only an adaptation based on literature, it's all of those things. But if we were stuck to those labels, you know, we'd be screwed. <laughs> and so you find many of our counterparts around the country also. And, you know, festivals and presenters in Europe have really led the way in this, and we've really been lagging behind. Because again, people want to know that they're going to an Italian restaurant not an Italian-Chinese restaurant or a Japanese restaurant, not a Japanese fusion restaurant. And yet, we know that many chefs today are also really also tr really tired of those boundaries and those limitations too. So, you know, th uh, those are the four main um, ways we're looking at our season. And, you know, obviously we have over 60 performances, so I could go into any more, any more of those, but those are the, some of the highlights. Something that is really special about the Carolina Performing Arts is how cheap the tickets are for students. A student can get a ticket to world-class performances for $10. Why is it so important for you to keep these prices low for these students? Well, from the very beginning, we knew that if they weren't accessible to students, that we would miss the whole point. And yet, as you can imagine, we can't afford for the entire theater to be filled with $10 tickets because we would not lose our shirts. We already lose our shirts. We would lose our pants, too. So... You know, it's a very delicate balance of wanting it to be popular for students, but not too popular. Yet, we also know that there is always a time and place for people to want to enc encourage themselves to experience new things. You know, I think that a lot of our behavior is much more geared towards affirming our thoughts. So we want to be affirmed that what we like is good. We don't really want someone to tell us what we should think is good. And yet, here I am, we're trying to bring artists that they've never heard of. And the best reaction we can get from a student is to say, God, they're only $10? What do I have to lose? That I should go see that dance company from Cambodia or from Taiwan because I've never actually experienced the culture at all. And not, why can't you bring James Taylor? Not that anyone's ever asked me that before. Wink, wink. So it's really much more about this connection that we are trying to make with discovery and and the knowledge that learning happens in all different guises and for us in the arts this is another way we can make that possible thanks for listening to the podcast today and don't forget to check back to unc.edu in two weeks for another episode of well said or subscribe on itunes and android apps